Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this. Friday, y'all. It's a fine one out there, Rhino. Love it. A little warmish, but uh, that's to be expected for June in Mississippi. Yeah, but it's not as humid as it's going to be. Right. (laughs) We haven't quite entered the sauna phase of summer. <laughs> That's right. Well, the heat perhaps got to the president yesterday. If you hadn't seen it, folks, I'm sure you have by now. It's gone viral. The president fell at the Air Force graduation ceremonies. So, Rhino, I got notified of this initially by the New York Post. I, you know, I've subscribed to the notifications and alerts. And as soon as it, it came across, which was moments after the incident, I clicked on it, opened it, and the video was embedded in the story, as, as you typically, as they typically do. So this was, what, 3 o'clock or so in the afternoon yesterday, our time? Somewhere yeah, right there. around there, yeah. a little before. So I watched it. And then I, I wanted to show it to my wife. And when I refreshed it on my phone, only still photos, no video. I mean, in that short 30 seconds, evidently they updated the story, a little out of character for the post. And so I started searching just for more stories about it, more articles about it. Nothing yet. They were first, as far as I could tell, because just doing a simple Biden falls at the Air Force ceremony, you think you get a gazillion hits. Well, within the first few seconds, only they. But they, they modified, they updated the story, the article, online article, with the still photos, and it took down the video. I haven't checked to see if it's back out there. But since then, of course, the video's all over the place. So I'm looking now in, at one of the articles by one of the news sources, and this is probably maybe the closest photo showing, I guess it's one of the, a couple of the Secret Service members, is what they look like, trying to help the president up, along with a uniformed officer, I don't know who it is exactly, Air Force officer, in the full Air Force dress uniform. And 
sadly, the president, he just looks so feeble right there, and it was difficult to get him up. Yeah, it took a second. It, he struggled getting back on his feet. Even well, he, he had help. the first attempt, and I don't know if it was somebody saying, no, wait. Stay down, yeah. Or was that just first attempt, can't do it, all right, help. It's just sad. And, you know, look, we're all subject to this, especially at 80 years old. Your body obviously doesn't work like it does when you're younger. And it's, and it's not that I look at him and, and say, okay, look at that guy and blast him. You know, I blame the selfish dang Democrats that essentially navigated him, him into this role. That's what I get mad about. They knew it. They knew he was feeble. They knew he was suspect with respect to his physical and mental cognition, but they still pushed it because they felt like he could win. They were right, and he won sitting in the dang basement. That's where, I, that's where politics and selfish political power dominates common sense best interest for the people of this country. And it happens over and over and over again. And all I can say, like we have so many times, that means we've made it too dang cushy to serve public service. It shouldn't be that way. It should be a sacrifice. That's the way the founders envisioned it. But no, we've made it such a cushy gig somehow through the years, how it has evolved, that they get addicted to it. They can't even fathom life without it. In the case of him, how long has he been there? Most of his life, if not all of his adult life. 50 years or so? Unbelievable. Can't do anything else? This is why I have respect for those who produce value for society, like the founders envision in, in some form of work, in production, contribution to the well-being of the country, and then they step aside and say, okay, I'm going to, and then, in those days, leave the farm and go and serve and then return to the farm. That was the idea. What happened to that? We got off the rails there. And it's even worse at the dang agency level where you get these career bureaucrats. They're just attached to it. And they all live in that area and I saw some recent reports like three of the most affluent four counties in the country are right around D.C. That ought to tell you everything you need to know right there. Yet these same people blast the private sector and its success and its production of wealth. Unbelievable. You dang hypocrites. We need term limits on the bureau agency heads. That's where we need term limits. They're making all the laws. Not even laws, they're just rules. They can't make laws. We've empowered them some perverse way. They run the place. Not the Congress. They can't do squat. The White House responded to the video saying that the president is fine. They wasted this time. Yeah. That's what keeps coming to my mind is this is the third time he's stumbled and fallen this year. That's sad.
It's sad. It's statistical here. Like you just look at how many eighty-year-olds can keep falling and have nothing happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Eventually, the odds will catch up to him, and then it's a bad situation. I totally agree with you. The the White House also on Twitter said there was a sandbag on stage while he was shaking hands. Huh? What are they talking about? I mean, there are pictures of a sandbag near the podium. I don't know what it was there for, because I didn't see it holding anything down or attached to anything. But yeah, there's pictures of a sandbag. But even then, he's not aware of his surroundings enough not to trip over it. And whoever's in charge of his protective detail is not really looking out for trip hazards, even though he's already fallen twice. Unbelievable. Uh, so the pres the former president Donald Trump he responded he said I hope he's not hurt the whole thing is crazy even if you have to tiptoe down the ramp you remember when he had to do that when he spoke at West Point yeah, I believe the, the slick ramp it was a slick but it was an incline and so I'll admit if I'm on a slick incline I'm tiptoeing. But so, it's not even so much the incline or anything like that. It's just these guys are always wearing those $1,000 slick bottom leather shoes. That's right. That's exactly right. You can't walk on a basketball court very that's well with it. those, let alone. In fact, I, I've uh, I've owned some slick bottom dress shoes, and the first thing I do is go out to the concrete and rough them up a little bit for that purpose. Because when they come out of the box, you're right. you got to tiptoe or you're falling. But remember, the, the left-wing media went absolutely nuts when this incident happened with Trump and when he spoke at West Point. First, he stood there for two-something hours. I'm not defending him. I'm just, I'm just sharing the facts. You're 70-something years old. You stand up for two-plus hours? You're already a little fatigued. In the case of Joe Biden, who, by the way, his speech, I don't know if you guys caught any of it. I saw a little bit of it. Why is he so mad? Is that not some indication of some, perhaps, mental problem? It's one of the symptoms of dementia. He's just mad. He had that scowl on his face. Well, it's ridiculous. Walter looked like Walter with that scowl and those squinty eyes. Just like, come on, man, shaking his fist. That's, that's not what commencement exercises ought to be like. They should be smiles, glows. Happiness, optimism, positivity. And you know what his message was? It's because this, this military is so diverse. That's why we're so powerful. Because of the diversity. There's so much news in that arena in the last 24 hours because it is Pride Month, including right here at home in the state of Mississippi, down in Biloxi. Got to share that with you. We got Jenny Bradford Curley at 1037, International Sales Director of the Tupelo Convention and Visitors Bureau, and then Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News at 1120. A whole lot more to talk about on this Friday, y'all. We'll be right back. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back. We are back in the Element Well Studios. It is middays, and we got some text rolling in already, Rhino. We've sparked them in here on the ceasefire text line. Someone who doesn't think very highly of you or I on the program here. Always love to share those because you know what? We're balanced here. I just wonder if you or I try to communicate with a left-wing talk program. Oh, wait, they're like our none. <laughs> for, for the most part, that's true, because nobody wants to listen to that junk. But just if what if we called in and wanted to speak to the race lady over there at MSNBC? You think she'd let us? Probably not. Nope. So this person says, you people are sick. What'd you say, Rhino? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> Typical prejudiced leftist. We're sick how? Because we objectively analyzed a major story? The President of the United States fell. And he struggled For the third time this year. Right. So something else I was going to point out, talk about the the President, uh, President Trump responding with the toe walking. So it's, it's impossible not to notice that when the President walks... Like a lot of 80-year-olds, they take short, small steps. You know, you've seen this, you extend that just a little bit, and that's it. You're going down. That's why they do it so carefully. He comes off that helicopter, you see him walking across Marine One, see him walking across the White House lawn there, and, man, it's like six-inch steps. Okay, that's fine. Lots of old people walk that way. Or folks have got other physical issues Oh, yeah. Uh, on, even at a younger age. That's fine. You're taught to do that, to be careful, so you stay upright. Well, it doesn't take much after you've stood on a stage, as he was yesterday, speaking, and then walking on a platform that's already a little more difficult to walk on. And if you just. Yeah, ex- if you've never been on one of those temporary stages, they have a lot more give than you would think. You've got to be careful. So he went down. Now, I made it very clear, I accept the fact that, based on his age, that is a possibility, a stronger possibility. That's all I said. And all I pointed out was that he's fallen three times and gotten back up. Right. Statistically, the odds are going to catch up if it keeps happening. Right. 80-year-olds fall and break a hip all the time, and it's not something they can come back from very quickly. Yeah. So, like it or not, And I have zero confidence in the laughing hyena in the vice president's office. So I'm I'm assuming that this person supports the president. Just assuming that now. I don't know. If you don't, please let us know. No, they do. Okay. The first thing they ever texted in to us was, Rhino needs to be taken off the air. The personal attacks on the president are extremely dangerous. (laughs) Oh, so... Free Except speech. I can't even spell my name right. <laughs> so we should just repeal the First Amendment then, right? So you don't have the right to criticize your government? Huh? Hell, the whole left-wing media complex would be taken off the air immediately. They're, during the Trump administration, they were consumed with it 724-365. They couldn't wait to see the tweets overnight. And you know what? Since they're not there, all their ratings, 
in the tank. We probably have more people listening than CNN has viewing at night in prime time. Because nobody wants to hear their crap. The other thing that you know this person doesn't know what they're talking about here, you see the Wednesday text. I'll go through this one more time briefly. Social Security, this is when we were talking about that. Social Security had plenty of money until they put it in the general funds. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Good grief how many times. I know everybody can't listen all the time. Oh, if only I had the the full-blooded confidence of the ignorant. (laughs) Social Security, when it produces surpluses, which is virtually every year, take more money in from your payroll contributions and they pay out benefits, they loan it to the federal government through a special bond issue called S-bonds. They are interest-bearing. It's how your money produces interest and, and gets bigger, your account, although there is not one with your name on it, the entire the entire lot of Social Security funds, the trust fund, it earns interest by loaning money, and it is restricted. It can only loan money to the Treasury. And the Treasury pays it back every single day. Those bonds are redeemed with interest, and there's never been a penny of default. And if there ever were, we're all going down. That's been going on for 60 years. It's the most misunderstood. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry about getting upset. we got to start debating the facts. It's just easy to say that. Well, they stole all that money. Came out of the general, went into the general fund. No, it didn't. It just didn't. Don't take my word for it. Go do the research like I did. Go look it up. Go read the Social Security 200-page trust fund report. Good luck. You probably need an accounting degree to understand it, honestly. Because it's what it is. It's a giant, complex financial report. That's how it works. So when I see that kind of stuff, and then I see the comment after that, I immediately say, person's clueless. Clueless. By the way, thanks for listening, and you're welcome to keep texting in. Just know that when you do that, we may read your text, unless you tell us not to. That's Rhino and I's commitment to you. If you tell us keep it confidential, we absolutely will. I can assure you of that. We won't say it. But if you don't, we may read it, and we may analyze and comment when you do so. Down there in Biloxi, man, at the Gulf Coast VA, they're flying the pride flag, along with the American flag. And the VA was interviewed about this. They told news organizations they've been receiving call after call from people asking why it is there. This is not the first time the VA has shown support for the LGBTQ plus community. In the past, they've hosted their own pride events. This is part of a new program that is meant to recognize veterans that have not received recognition. This includes vets of different backgrounds, races, and sexuality. We take care of everyone who wore the uniform, the VA said. The most important thing is that veterans come to the VA and get the services they have earned. Chief of Community Affairs, Community and Public Affairs, Sean Shanks, cited that this display, quote, allows them to have open conversations with their providers. So here's, here's my take on this. If you're a veteran, 
I don't care what your sexual orientation is, your race, your gender, your ethnicity, you're entitled to all the benefits that are available to all veterans. What I have a problem with is now you're getting something special. You're getting a flag that everybody can see, representing just your small group out there on Highway 90 in front of the VA on the coast. So what are we going to do? Come out with a flag for every group? There's like 8,000 groups now. We're going to stick those up there? Can't we just all be under one flag? I thought the idea was to unite us, to assimilate. This is divisive. How could they not see that? I don't care if it's Pride Month or not. Now, if the VA says, I'm sorry, because of your sexual orientation, you don't get any benefits. Well, that's wrong. They're entitled to them. But to stick it in your face, shove it down your throat, poke you in the eye, day after day after day, it just incites people. It makes them matter. It doesn't get them, it doesn't push them to be more accepting. Those who, who struggle accepting your lifestyle, it doesn't really encourage them to do so. It does just the opposite. Unbelievable. It's like telling a child, hey, don't you do this, that, and the other. What's the first thing they do? Whatever you told them not to do. That's exactly what this is. I, I, I just don't get it. Why do you get special recognition? You shouldn't get anything special. You should get equal. I thought that was the whole idea. Equality. Isn't that what we say in the Pledge of Allegiance? That they don't even say. They don't think it applies to them. It says liberty and justice for all. It doesn't have like in parentheses, except gay people. It doesn't say that. And I don't know anybody on, a, on the right that would say, oh no, we can't give VA benefits to gay people. Just don't stick a flag out there. My gosh. No, and by the way, if they wanted to put a flag that said white cisgender male up I don't want that either that's where that's what they don't get we we're okay with that they're not no no we got to have our flag no you get your benefits you just don't get a flag I just want the American flag out there it's an American institution it's not an LGBTQ plus institution we're coming right back in the studios with Jenny Bradford Curley stay with us Podcasts. Days with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. One through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there, they began to wail. The band was jumping and the joint began to swing. You should have heard this knocked out jailbird sing. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from the Element Well Studios. Joining us now, Jenny Bradford. She is the uh, PR and international sales director for the Tupelo Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Jennifer. 
Uh, Jenny, pardon me. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad to be here this morning. All right, so you got the Tupelo Elvis Festival coming up next week. Of course, Rhino very appropriately bumping us in and out of the segment, uh, prior segment, with a little, uh, little Elvis tunes. What do you think about the big event? Well, we are so excited. We're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Tupelo Elvis Festival. So it probably is going to be the biggest one yet. Biggest one. Wow. Um, so tell us about just the, the relationship, the continuing relationship between uh, the great city of Tupelo and uh, the legacy of Elvis, their favorite son. Absolutely. People from all over the world, both young and old, still come to Tupelo to see the humble home where Elvis was born. He lived in Tupelo for his first 13 years before moving to Memphis. So we tell the whole story of Elvis's childhood in Tupelo. We take people on a tour of where he went to school, where he liked to eat, like at Johnny's Drive-In, which is Tupelo's <laughs> oldest restaurant. And of course, Tupelo Hardware Company, where Elvis got his first guitar. So the Elvis legacy is alive and well here in Tupelo, and the festival is how we celebrate it most of all. Tupelo Hardware Company, right in the heart of downtown uh, Tupelo. What a great strip that is. The Tupelo has really maintained uh, a very vibrant and thriving downtown area. It's really nice. Great place to, to visit. Great place, of course, to live and work. And you got the hardware store right in the middle of it with uh, his first guitar. We do. There. Absolutely. You know, the our city leaders have put a lot of work into making sure that our downtown area has remained strong and vibrant over the years. And the amazing team at the Downtown Tupelo Main Street Association actually puts on the Tupelo Elvis Festival. Okay. And so they, they utilize downtown retailers to host Elvis tribute artists inside on Saturday where you can have meet and greets and do a little shopping in our downtown and, of course, all the restaurants have those special Elvis items on their menu, so it's a great time to be out and about in downtown Tupelo. Why do you think, Jenny, there continues to be a fascination and interest in Elvis and his legacy? You know, there's really nobody else like him. He truly is the greatest entertainer of the 20th century, 21st century. I mean, all, he's just done things that nobody else has done, and he continues to reinvent himself even though he would have turned 90 years old in 2025. It's amazing that somebody still continues to reinvent themselves um, at this point. But the folks at Graceland with Elvis Presley Enterprises, they do incredible work to preserve his legacy. We work hard here in Tupelo to preserve his story, that true American dream. And the fact that we're just 90 minutes from Memphis and you can get his whole story that way is pretty incredible. The Elvis movie that was out this past year that just yeah. did phenomenally. People from all over the world saw it. And even our friends at Grayson will tell you that younger and younger audiences are coming to see Graceland and to see the birthplace and to understand that American dream story. So his death date, uh, August 16th, 1977, it, for those of us who were around then, it's one of those days where you remember where you were. I remember, for example, I was a very young boy when President Kennedy was shot. Most people remember where they were when 9-11 uh, occurred. But the death date of, of uh, Elvis, August 16th, 1977, it's another one. People that were around, you ask them, they remember precisely where they were. That's, there's some significance to that, is there not? 
Absolutely. And um, I know as I talk to people all the time when I'm at the birthplace visiting with uh, people who've come to Tupelo, they remember, they vividly remember. People either bought newspapers or, or did things to, to make sure they remembered that date. And when you visit the birthplace, you can tour the memorial chapel that's there on the grounds. And that was built because fans from all over the world sent money to the folks at the Elvis Presley birthplace to make sure that something was built to remember him after that happened. And the Memorial Chapel plays his gospel music all day, every day, which hmm. of course was his favorite genre of music. That's yeah. what he won his Grammys for. Yep. And um, so it it is there in memorial to him. People can get married or have memorial services, but it's there to remember his legacy. It could be argued that Elvis is perhaps the most uh, imitated figure, celebrity, uh, in American history. Uh, so will there be any Elvis impersonators on hand for the festival next week? Well, the folks that will be on hand for our festival next week, we refer to them as Elvis tribute artists. Okay. And there is a difference in an impersonator okay. and a tribute artist. These guys who will be in town to compete. So we have a competition and concerts from some of the top Elvis tribute artists all over the world. We've had winners in our city from Brazil, the UK, Germany, others. So it's these, these guys really hone their craft. They play multiple musical instruments. They know how to sing like Elvis, dance, have those moves like Elvis did. And um, witness all these different guys who are here to pay homage to Elvis's legacy and his impact on popular culture. Yeah, absolutely. So what other sort of events and activities do you have uh, planned for the festival? So you'll get to see a little bit of everything. Like I mentioned, the ultimate Elvis tribute artist competitions will go on throughout the weekend. And then the winner of our competition goes on to compete in Memphis during Elvis week for the ultimate Elvis tribute artist. We'll have conversations with those who knew Elvis this year. We're highlighting hmm. the people who started our festival 25 years ago. So you'll get to hear all those backstories of how the Tupelo Elvis Festival started. There is a Running with the King 5K Saturday morning, so you can get out and run first thing that morning, wear your best Elvis glasses <laughs> or any Elvis gear that you want to as you run through the neighborhood where Elvis grew up. And then there's a disc golf tournament. We have meet and greets downtown and the different retailers. And everything sort of culminates Saturday night with the Silver Jubilee concert. And that is where our North Mississippi Symphony Orchestra will perform along with some of the top Elvis tribute artists in the world. So it'll be a fantastic event all at the Cadence Bank Arena in downtown Tupelo. And then Sunday, we close the festival with the gospel concert that really is something that people look forward to every year because it's such a special event. It happens at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Right. So how many folks uh, do you anticipate will attend the festival? You know, we get about 10,000 people or, or more every year, so we expect this to be one of the biggest yet are for sale. Um, the only event that's sold out is the, the gala Wednesday night, but everything else is still up for grabs, and you can buy those tickets at TupeloElvisFestival.com. Gotcha. And and the, uh, the tribute artists, do they come from all over the country, all over the world? They do. I think we have about 24 guys that are uh, competing in this year's event. I know we have some from the UK in that number, wow. so we're looking forward to that competition to see what kind of talent's out there. Do people attend, Jenny, that say, gee, I didn't know Elvis was from Mississippi, and they find out about it, want to come, and they realize, yeah, this is where 
he was born. Absolutely. You know, he's known as the guy from Memphis. And yeah. a lot of times people say, I had no idea he was born in Mississippi. So it's fun for us to get to help people understand where he started and that he got his morals and his values and everything that makes you who you are right here in Tupelo, Mississippi. And it's kind of cool that, as you pointed out, that gospel music is his famous, uh, sorry, his favorite genre, given that I think Mississippi is, is, a, is a state uh, where there are a lot of people of faith. Absolutely. Um, he was known, even when he was in Memphis, when he was at the height of his career, to play gospel music and to sing gospel music until the wee hours of the morning because it just it, it made him feel right and brought him back to center. So I definitely think his faith was an important part of that, and I think that shows a lot about our state and, and how faith is an important thing for our state. That's awesome. And so what about the economic impact to the Tupelo and surrounding uh, communities of the festival? Absolutely. You know, special events bring in people from all over the world to our city, and this is sort of our ultimate festival of the year. So we expect lots of folks to stay in our hotels, to eat in our over 200 restaurants, and to really experience the southern hospitality that we have here in Tupelo. So we're excited to welcome all these visitors to Tupelo next week. Absolutely. You guys got it going on. Uh, Can you give us a glimpse into some future events you have planned there at the CVB? We do. So our festival season kicked off in February, and we have events throughout the year. We just finished up our Mother's Day weekend Gumtree Art and Wine Festival. We have our big All-America City Family Picnic in the Park in July that celebrates the Independence Day for our country. We have the Change Festival coming up Labor Day weekend. It's the second year we've hosted this event. It's a skateboarding festival with punk rock music, Hmm. with art, with great food. It's really a super unique time to come to Tupelo and experience one of the other parts of our culture that we have that people may not know as much about. And then we go on throughout the fall with lots of great events. Sounds great. Jenny, thanks so much for joining us, and have a great festival. I know you will. Thank you. Jenny Bradford with the Tupelo Convention and Visitors Bureau has been our guest on Middays. We're taking a break in the Element Well Studios, and we'll be right back. Always crowded, but you still can find some room for broken-hearted lovers to cry. It's so lonely, baby, but they're so lonely. They'll be so lonely, they could die. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. everyone that on the all hit request line Fleetwood Mac tell me little lies you know being in this business and watching politics every day that's kind of appropriate isn't it <laughs> and they're it's not that they're just blatant lies I, I think to a great extent they just don't know or they speak at such an abstract level without context without nuance without discernment when you dig into it, well, no, that's just not right. It's true. And it's 
whatever I got to say to get reelected, that's what I'm saying. You know the the stereotypical office job humor of somebody that just kind of backs into a promotion or winds up over their heads and they somehow still hang on to that position even though they're just filled with incompetence? Yeah. It doesn't happen very often in the office, actually. Usually those kind of people get weeded out. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to argue that over half the politicians in the world, let alone the country, are the perfect example of people that backed into a big position that are in way over their head and don't understand half of what they need. That's 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 very accurate. And I'm generalizing here. You know as well as I do. There's some good ones. I think here in Mississippi, to a great extent, we are blessed with some good, objective, honest, transparent people. Unfortunately, we don't have 435 in the U.S. House and 100 in the Senate, and we certainly don't have one in the White House. And that's a probably, I think, argue, arguably impacts your life as much, if not more, than, than anything. And that's to a great extent because the federal government has extended its reach. In some cases, unconstitutionally, but that doesn't come down until it gets to the Supreme Court. And that takes a lot of money and effort to mount a suit. I'm happy to report, on the other hand, that we had a great event at the House last night for Governor Tate Reeves, and his message was spot on. Of course, as an incumbent candidate for governor, he's going to talk about his record and the accomplishments and improvements that have been made during his term, first term as governor. I applaud him for those. Certainly educational achievements and improvements in public education, and why should we talk about that? Heck, it's half the budget. It's, it's half of the responsibility, if you think about it, government, is public education at the state level, right? And then, I was of course, informed that, on the ceasefire text line what I was talking about is called the Peter Principle. Oh. I knew it had a name. Yeah, I just you're right. Of it. That's exactly right. Thank you. But the governor's message I thought was great, and what he said was, we're poised, we're positioned for even greater things in Mississippi, we got to keep it going. I totally agree with him in, in that respect. Um, gosh, we had great attendance, well over 100 people, about 120, I think, and uh, many, of course, contributed to the governor's campaign. We're grateful, grateful for that. Just a fabulous event. We had Representative Lee Yancey uh, led us in a prayer. We... Uh, I asked the crowd when I opened things up to observe a moment of silence in recognition of the loss of life of Madison Police Department officer who was killed in the line of duty just yesterday. Terrible situation. Hostage situation in Crossgates in Rankin County, nearby Rankin County. And a Brandon police officer who was injured. We prayed for his recovery and just for God's healing and blessings on the families. You know this all too well, I know, with your father, but, man, they get up every day. They put that uniform on. You don't know. You just don't. When you'll be called, and you said something yesterday, domestic disputes, which apparently what was going on here in Brandon, the worst. Oh, yeah. It's, it's irrational people at that point with guns in their hands, and they do irrational things, like shoot police officers. Yeah, because it's, 
it's not an uncommon occurrence for a police officer to show up to a domestic disturbance where the the husband has laid hands on the wife and she's got a black eye and a bloody nose. He's obviously been physically violent towards his significant other. So the police officer steps in and begins to arrest the husband. And the wife, for whatever reason, attacks the police officer. So that that's why it's a dangerous situation, is you already have violence engaged on top of raw emotions associated with a relationship in crisis. And you're, you're stepping into that as a third party, and both sides have negative emotions towards you in that moment, whether it's rational or not. I, I submit it's just irrational. And, and you're right. There's so many factors at that point. Your brain ain't functioning right. And these folks, these law enforcement officers, walk into the hornet's nest here. And, they, and in this case, one lost his life. The other one was critically injured. The governor made a statement that I believe is quite accurate and with which I agree. He said, in Mississippi, we back the blue. I agree. I'm so sick of these left-wing, nut, loony barn cities that don't. Unbelievable. We're coming right back with more. we got Caleb Sailors from Super Top Mississippi News at 1120. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone hour two of middays live from the element well studios on this friday y'all are you thinking about or planning for retirement do you have a plan go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let element wealth help you find your balance between income growth and guarantees the Dow on fire today, up over 600 in points. Uh, looks like it's at 616. The Nasdaq up 127. The S&P, the Russell 2000, also up. All the indexes up. That is because we got unemployment figures this morning and job creation figures. And uh, we, we beat on the job creation uh, registered and new jobs created. And on the unemployment front, unemployment actually ticked up to 3.7%. I've about come to the conclusion that tracking these jobs data, the, the key jobs metrics of unemployment, the unemployment rate, and number of jobs created or lost, is not any longer a great indicator of the economy. At one time, it was like the sole indicator. And you remember, politicians would always talk about, candidates in particular, jobs created. The president still does. Of course, he stuck 40 years ago anyhow. And I'm not, I'm not discounting and saying, saying that it's meaningless. I'm saying that I think it's less of a harbinger, an indicator. Now the investment community is totally focused on the Fed. We had that conversation with Jeremy Nelson, partner at Element Wealth, yesterday. And so what the 
What they think is that, okay, with the unemployment ticking up and job creation also ticking up simultaneously, maybe we'll get a Fed pause. Maybe we'll get a quarter point this month increase, hike, and then a pause. And nonetheless, the investment community seems to feel better about it, but so many still believe we're headed for a recession. On the ceasefire text line, by the way, a good friend of mine, uh, Jimmy Maloney down in Hattiesburg says, fun fact, Hoyt Axton's mother wrote the song Heartbreak Hotel. Love the show. Wow, so Hoyt Axton, as I recall, Jimmy was a uh, more of a writer, right? A composer. I guess his mother was too. Maybe he inherited it. Uh, wrote Joy to the World, um, iconic tune by Three Dog Not, Night. The Pusher, I think that was Steppenwolf. No No Song, uh, Never Been to Spain, that also a Three Dog Night tune from Duncan, Oklahoma. That's pretty cool. Thanks for letting us know that. So his mother wrote Heartbreak Hotel. Hmm. Maybe Elvis's famous song, right? Definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, several, of course, to his credit. So just a little bit more about our event last night. Just wanted to share what the governor's message was. Uh, I already talked about him citing the various improvements in education. And he talked about this article we talked about yesterday as well, published in the New York Times, which um, started out, and the governor pointed this out by saying that there was a, there was a, a derogatory refrain, thank God for Mississippi, because we're always last. And it started the article that way, and it ended it with that statement. Except the starting point was, Remember, this is what we always say in a negative way about the state of Mississippi. And after it went through a discussion of the various educational improvements the state has experienced, the thank God for Mississippi was, hey, maybe this is the model and the template you guys ought to be applying across the country, like in the deep blue cities such as Baltimore, where like two-thirds of the high school graduates can't freaking read or do basic math. That ain't the case in Mississippi. It's like the opposite of a compliment sandwich. It's like a backhanded compliment exactly. sandwich. Exactly. Exactly. So the governor pointed that out and right that he should. He also talked about the uh, pretty serious increase in capital investment in our state through economic development projects. And, uh, and that people are coming to Mississippi because we have a great workforce. We have a great quality of life, but it's only going to get better. He, he's not going to rest on his laurels and say, hey, we're done. We, we crossed through a lot of gates here. No, he sees that, hey, this is something to build on. What we've accomplished is merely a springboard for more growth, for greater things in the state of Mississippi. I totally agree with him. But I made the point right now when I introduced him, uh, something that we talk about here on the show a lot. You may or may not agree with the governor on many policy areas in many policy areas, on many public policy positions and philosophy. But here's one thing I think you could say objectively about Governor Tate Reeves. He understands the proper role of government. He's not confused about that. And if you think about all these controversial issues that we debate at all levels of government, Every one of those should be framed with, underpinned with, what is the proper role of government. And he gets that. He's not, he's not a far-left, crazy Democrat, honestly, that thinks government 
should be front and center in your household, in your kids' classrooms, pushing their political ideology, not basic math and reading and science and the skills necessary to be a productive adult. And he doesn't believe, as the left does, that government should be seated at boardroom tables. In fact, they want to be at the head of the table. They want to dictate your employment policies. They want to tell you who you got to hire, what you got to pay them, what you're going to make, how much of it you're going to make. They want to regulate the heck out of it, just squeezing the life out of you, making everything more difficult, more complex, more expensive, which gets passed on to all of us. He gets that, and that's what I respect about him. And you see this going on across the country. It's disturbing, and this is what we got to fight against. And by the way, that same philosophy, it's not just reserved for Democrats in Washington. That flows all the way down. That's what we can't let happen here in Mississippi, and that's why I support the governor. As simple as that. I, I completely believe confidently that he understands the proper role of government. And that's why I support him. And we uh, raised a bunch of money, too, which is important. Because you got to have money to run campaigns and, more importantly, to succeed. Meanwhile, at the federal level, the national level, this primary stuff on the Republican side is really heating up. I just shared with Rhino on the break, by the way, there's some political analysts who now say Joe Biden may not win the Democratic primary in New Hampshire. RFK Jr. has been working his tail off. He has. Now, somebody on the ceasefire text line said something about RFK Jr., worried, worried about his, his voice, and he, it's because he has some sort of disease, right, Rhino? I mean, some sort of affliction. I don't think it's just the way his voice is sort of faltered through age, but I, I think he literally has something. Yeah, Chris from Oxford. Yeah, it's called spasmodic dysphonia. Right. And he's had that for a while, as I recall. I mean, the, I haven't seen him publicly talking, obviously, as much as we have in the last few weeks since he announced, but it, it may have been 15, 20 years ago that I last recall seeing him, and he had it then. He spoke like that. He Apparently he's had it since he was 43, and uh, or he's been a, in fe- or afflicted by it since he was 43, and he is currently 69. Okay. So that's right. Um, 27 years working on it. Uh, Gerard, I just listened to Robert Kennedy talk on Fox. There is no way he gets nomination because he can't even talk. Sounds like he has throat cancer. That was Chris from Oxford who sent that in. And so now you know he's got this affliction. Surely he's handicapped that and considered how that might impact his chances, his prospects. You know he's thought about that. And I, I don't know what to think, honestly. There's no doubt that people vote emotion. And your your physical qualities or negatives are a big factor in vote getting. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's not the same thing, but look at how negatively the public responded to the famous Howard Dean scream. No doubt about just it. One moment that pretty much tanked him at that point. Yeah, he was out in front at that point. He sure That's was. Why he was so excited. 
Uh, what about this one? Michael Dukakis with a stupid helmet on sticking his head out of a tank. Remember that one? Same deal. I don't remember it, but I've seen it. Oh, yeah. same deal. I remember it live like, are you kidding me? He looked like a goof, honestly. And that, that killed him. But it all goes all the way back to what I believe was the first televised debate, right? Um, was it Kennedy? Yeah. Kennedy and, and Nixon. Nixon? Yeah. And Kennedy just appeared. Oh, yeah. More. Nixon had been out all night before campaigning and, and working. Looked look terrible. Honestly. And that was black and white TV back then. It wasn't the precise HD TV we have today. Where you can see the fly in Mike Pence's hair. <laughs> exactly. Led Zeppelin taking us out here. We're coming right back. Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist. Super Top Mississippi News is up next. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. We're in the Element Well Studios on this. Friday, y'all. And joining us now is Caleb Sailors, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. Love that jingle. <laughs> all right, welcome, Caleb. What's going on, Gerard? You doing all right today? I'm doing great. So give us an update on uh, this escapee situation just north of our position here in Gluckstadt, Mississippi, central Madison County. So, multi-agency search undergoing, uh, ongoing for uh, Joseph Spring. He escaped from the Hines County Detention Center uh, over the weekend, and they have not been able to find him until today. They uh, located Madison Police started a chase this morning. They located a um, black Honda that was believed to be stolen, and it, the person in the vehicle matched the description of Spring. Well, police led a pursuit into Gluckstadt. They crashed the vehicle. There was another occupant in the vehicle that. Police ended up catching, but they have not caught Spring. And there's, they have canines on the scene. They've got an area, kind of a perimeter set up around a wooded portion of Gluckstadt where they believe Spring to be. So going back into the story, so that's what's going on right now. That's the latest update is they're still looking for Spring. Uh, he escaped over the weekend. On Monday, he escaped with Michael Lewis, another person who was another inmate. Well, they caught... Lewis on Monday put him back in prison and um, well on Wednesday uh, people believe Hines County Sheriff Tyree Jones reported that there was a reported sighting of spring in the Raymond area and so there was a multi-agency search for this guy on Wednesday they ended up calling it off because they couldn't find him they had helicopters out canines everything the whole kit and caboodle trying to find this guy couldn't find mm. him and now here we are today this guy must be the craftiest person on earth because they keep trying to get reported sightings of him one of someone that called a tip into the sheriff and then today an officer was you know located him in a vehicle but they can't catch him they can't find him so hopefully they're able to get this guy behind bars again and we've got uh two additional arrests have been made um 
In connection to this case, a 45-year-old Michael Lynn Allen was arrested yesterday in Raymond for aiding and abetting an accessory. Hmm. That's at the detention center, right? He was not at the detention okay. center, no. And then 36-year-old Casey Knight was arrested in Jackson yesterday, too, for accessory, oh, okay. aiding and abetting. So these people were helping him after he escaped jail. Okay, I got you. And so they're making arrest of everybody in connection to this guy. They just haven't caught Spring himself. Well, so have there been any statements from uh, the folks at the detention center that said how to get out? Because have you ever been to that place, seen it? Yeah. The, the Raymond Detention yeah. Center? Well, it, it, people, we've had multiple escapees this year. They believe he escaped through the air ducts. I think you can just walk in and out of the place. I think one of the supervisors of Hines uh, County, if I'm not mistaken, Marshawn said... Marshawn Chrysler. ...said, like, well, yeah, the doors don't really lock or mm-hmm. something to that effect. I think maybe David Archie said something to that effect. We have to look that mm-hmm. up. But, yeah, it, it's... um. He said... David Archie said he'd spend the night there, too, if he needed to, just to make sure that no one escaped. <laughs> But so that's on, supervisor David Archie, by the correct. way. Correct. So yeah. So on Monday they discovered Tyree Jones said they discovered a breach in the fence line of the jail, and then during the head count they noticed that Spring and the other uh, escapee were gone. And so now here we are trying to locate the guy in Gluckstadt, Madison Police, Gluckstadt Police. I'm sure every police agency is on the scene at this point, but. Mm. Hopefully they can get him. Hopefully yeah. they can get him. And that's that's where we are with that. Okay. Another big story we had yesterday, and our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the officer involved that was killed yesterday in a standoff between police and 22-year-old Gabriel Matthew Wilson. So it's reported by Brandon Police that Wilson broke into, they say, his ex-girlfriend's home and held her and another female hostage. Well, police, when they arrived at the scene, the other female... Uh, or one of them escaped, got out of the house, and he kept the other that was in the house, kept her hostage. Well, the subject, Wilson, opened fire around 6 a.m., struck a Brandon police officer who was taken to UMC, is expected to make a full recovery. He's doing okay. And uh, later on, officers try to negotiate. They say, hey, let's figure this out. Let's let's not get anybody else hurt. Let's right. get this Let's get this hostage out of the house. So he ended up letting the other hostage go, and then a little later, gunfire started again between him and police, and he struck Madison police officer, former Ridgeland police chief, um, Randy Tyler, hmm. and killed him. But the hmm. uh, subject was killed in the crossfire as well, though. So hmm. you had uh, one injured and two dead in the hmm. situation. But you had law enforcement from pretty much everywhere in the central Mississippi area on the scene. You had a SWAT team there, and they tried to negotiate with him, but this guy was hostile. He had uh, uh, media's reported that he um, was basically coming out of the house, making it known that he was ready for a fight. Man, yeah, unbelievable. He, he he had nefarious intentions, definitely. I don't know. We don't. We haven't seen the autopsy, so I don't know if he was on anything or what he had taken prior to the situation. But you could tell the guy was not in the right frame of mind. But uh, Madison. The city of Madison has lowered their flags to half mast in honor of, you know, the former police officer who lost his life yesterday. It's just such a sad situation. Terrible. It's always sad to lose anybody in the line of duty, especially, sure. you know, someone who was courageous and willing to put his life on the line to protect other people. But just one of those things you hate to see. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, some sort of internal domestic squabble, mm-hmm. right? But what's being reported. Tell us about the uh, Golden Eagles of Southern Miss playing baseball over in Auburn. 
Thankfully, this is good news. Southern Miss will be taking on Samford today in the Auburn Regional. Uh, Kendall Rogers with D1 Baseball is predicting the Golden Eagles to go to Omaha. You know, uh, three seasons ago, Mississippi or two seasons ago, Mississippi State won it all. Last year, Ole Miss won it all. So, hopefully, Southern Miss is next in line to keep the Mississippi lineage of winning national <laughs> champions going. But we've got a good pitchers duel today. Uh, many people may not know this, but South Alabama is uh, excuse me, Samford is pitching Jacob Cravey, who uh, was a second team All American pitcher from collegiate baseball. Well, he's going up against. A familiar name for us in Mississippi and Tanner Hall, who, like you called him earlier, uh, Rubber Arm. Uh, Tanner Hall is first-team All-American pitcher. He uh, posted a 12-3 and record on the season, a 2.24 ERA, and has been awesome. He won all sorts of conference honors. He was uh, pitcher of the year in the Sun Belt. And, I mean, anybody that watches baseball in Mississippi knows how good Tanner Hall is. They'll face off at 1 p.m. today in uh, Auburn. Yeah. I think uh, the Golden Eagles will take that that game, and then uh, they got a good shot. Could come down to them. Don't want to look ahead. Come to, could come down to them and uh, the Tigers of Auburn, and we'll see where that goes. And I'd love to see them advance out of there and move on to a Super. It it kind of reminds me of two seasons ago when Southern Miss, unfortunately for them, had to travel to Oxford and take on Ole Miss, and uh, Ole Miss ended up winning that regional and losing yeah. to Arizona in the Supers, but. It went to Monday. It went to the very last game. Both teams had an opportunity to do it. And I think of Southern Miss, Tanner Hall, the last time he pitched, he pitched a complete game against Troy. Went yep. all nine innings. And if he can give them a modicum of that today, just preserve the bullpen, preserve some of their arms that they'll need through this series. Playing against an SEC team is tough. If they're trying to get to Auburn, you're going to have to have all hands on deck, and you're going to have to have your uh, pitching stable ready. They could do it. It, I think if Tanner has a good outing today and they don't uh, have to bring somebody in, they're they're in good shape. Absolutely. Uh, they've got plenty of veteran bats, too. I mean, they've got yeah. Danny Lynch, Christopher Sargent, uh, Carson Pato. They've got guys that are, you know, that have been in the postseason, that have been in this position before. I mean, they took down LSU at home last year, and the team they lost to last year was the, is the defending national champion. So uh, I, I think they've got plenty of experience. Scott Barry, this is his farewell tour, so I think he's going to try to go out with a bang as well. I, I think Southern Miss comes out of this regional on top. Yeah, I do too. I, I like it. Uh, have you seen this uh, story about the federal government ordering desegregation? In Mississippi schools. Yeah, this is just hot off the press. Desegregation in 32 Mississippi school districts. Um, this is kind of bizarre, but it's a U.S. Assistant Attorney General, Kristen Clark, of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division, spoke to a, uh, spoke to a small group of residents uh, in Holmes County yesterday. And now they're, they don't mention the districts, or at least if they did, I didn't see a list of the districts, but 32 districts. And I, I don't know what that's all about. I thought the federal government already desegregated schools right. in 1965. They're saying that, uh, that we're not in conformance with that. So I don't know what they mean. Uh, specifically, they're looking into whether or not uh, the schools, after 50 years, in, in fact, is what they say, of litigation... Uh, whether or not that we're operating consistent with that. So uh, it's kind of a weird deal, but there's sketchy details on it. They're also looking at the Mississippi State Penitentiary. I mean, I don't think that's anything new in parchment mm -hmm. and a couple of other of our correctional facilities to see if we're in conformance with federal law from a civil rights perspective there. It's 
There's always something going on at Parchment. Oh, always something sounds with Parchment. Like sounds like we're a target in that respect. <laughs> Appreciate the update there, uh, the update. Uh, Absolutely. Taylor, really do, and you have a great weekend, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Gerard. Good to be on. Absolutely. Caleb Sailors, a multimedia journalist with Super Top Mississippi News, has been bringing you this update from across the great state of Mississippi. We're stepping aside for a break right here with Johnny Nash bumping us out, coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. You make the love drive a man insane. You broke my wind, but what a thrill. Getting this garage is quitting balls of fire. I let the love hold my body to body. You came along and you moved. Mississippi's own Jerry Lee Lewis there. All I can think about is Top Gun. That comes to mind more than does the uh, famous performances of Mr. Lewis on that piano. And he was pretty good, dancing all over it, standing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty talented to be able to. What was really talented is, I don't know if he ever looked at the keyboard while he was playing it. <laughs> I mean, even the best pianist occasionally will look down at the keys, right? It depends. Yeah. He's pretty good at that. And sing. I never understood. How do you do that? That's pretty hard. I mean, there are some that they they focus on the sheet music so much. Like, he did it. He rarely, if ever, had to use sheet music. But yeah. you get some of these pianists or organists that are so focused on the sheet music that they have to have somebody flip the pages for them. Ah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It does seem, though, that some of them are so good, they're almost like attached to Oh, yeah, it's an extension piano. of their body. Yeah, exactly. And that's with any instrument. I think you're right, yeah. And they're just freaky good. Yeah, honestly. once you get to a, a certain skill level, you, you no longer really learn in the same way you learned the basics. You just fine-tune what you already know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um well, we're back in the Element Well Studios, of course, so we were talking about this this deal that um, where the federal U.S. Attorney General has, has uh, acting on these 32 desegregation orders. So somebody on the ceasefire text line says, pretty sure the desegregation deal isn't new, just those school districts still under desegregation order for decades. She just made it sound like it's all recent. It, you could be right. Maybe that's what's going on here. This is uh, U.S. Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark. Yeah, it looks like the most recent orders came in 1995. So okay. there were orders issued in 69, 89, 92, and 95. I just, I'm not sure what... The objective is here. What, what are they trying to do? I mean, because the last time that I recall this happening, where it really was a big deal, was the busing era of the '60s. And that I mean, was if a, you want to put the tinfoil hat on, yeah, just for a little while, yeah, 
the mainstream media might be upset that there was an opinion piece put in the New York Times that painted Mississippi, especially Mississippi public education, in a positive light. So you got to get the smear campaign back out. Well, that's true. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is here. They couldn't deal with that. Because this is just her latest stop on some listening tour, which how much of a waste of tax dollars is that to send somebody on a listening tour? Yeah. Where they show up, read the piece of paper, zone out while you talk to them, and then move on on their vacation on tax dollars. Yeah. I guess so. Um, it's just crazy. And, and you know, I, I think I mentioned it yesterday. While I'm pleased that this opinion article in the New York Times did paint Mississippi's success in public education in a very positive light, had to get a jab in there as well in saying that the state was still awash in, in racism. Says, what's so significant, this is the Harvard economist and education expert that was involved in the in the research and analysis uh, for the article said what's so significant is that while Mississippi hasn't overcome poverty or racism it still manages to get kids to read and excel how to get a jab in there huh well I freely admit we got to do better from a poverty perspective totally agree Racism? Sure, racism exists everywhere. It's, it's a sin that is uh, Im- embedded in human life throughout the planet. Let's be honest about that. But to point to Mississippi, the, the way that, is, that language is structured, it, it sort of conveys, oh yeah, well the rest of the country has overcome racism, but not in Mississippi. That's just horse hockey. That's just not true. So while I acknowledge there still is the existence of such in all 50 states, by the way, I submit Mississippi has made more progress on this than any other state. And I've traveled the country a lot and witnessed it firsthand. And I've made this point many times That's because our population is so balanced among the races. We had to figure it out. We can't just go live in a cave and isolate ourselves from people that don't look like us. We can't do that. Where can you go in Mississippi where that's the case? You can't. Now, there's certainly some communities that lean in one direction more than others in terms of the composition of the population by race, but in general, you certainly can't travel around the state. I've been to cities in other states where that is the case. you got to look far and wide to see a black person. But yet those are the same... Yeah, those are the same people that are trying to lecture us on racism. Like this fool that's in his cushy little gig at Harvard. That's just unbelievable. So, while I appreciate the New York Times showing Mississippi and writing this article that shows Mississippi in a positive light, can't you just do without the jabs there, dude? Unbelievable. 
the revolution here in Mississippi is incomplete and race gaps persist. But it's thrilling to see the excitement and pride bubbling in the halls of de facto segregated black schools and some of the nation's poorest communities. And so what's the plan that they have? More government. That's what they think will fix it. They've been working on it for It's what? not even more government in the sense of, okay, well, we're going to put people on the ground to make things better, to actually try to do something with the resources available at the taxpayer's expense. No, they just want to throw money at it. Just, here's a whole big bucket of money. Don't be corrupt with it, wink, wink. But here you go. Unbelievable. So true. And again, I go back to our governor who understands the best thing he can do is create the environment, the governmental environment, which needs to be limited in scope from a regulatory, a taxation, a law perspective. He gets that. we got to get everybody down at the Capitol to get that. So we can, can push through such policies. That's how we thrive. We're already seeing it. I've never been as excited as I am now about our future prospects. That's not to say I don't acknowledge our warts and our challenges, of course, and our problems. And somebody somebody uh, rebuffed me here, if I can find it, um, Rhino, didn't like uh, the fact that I'm supporting the governor and made some derogatory comments. And one of those, I'm looking for it. Uh, you could probably find it. Was, is this the same Reeves that's requiring patriotic yeah. education as determined by him be taught in all of our schools? The same that signed a bill into law that takes away local city rule by overriding locally cited on issues? Well, first of all, it's not like the governor has the franchise on what's patriotism. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. What's wrong with that? What do you want to do? Teach children in public schools that America is dark and evil and wicked? That's what the whole CRT crap's about. You remember uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears in Virginia, who was voted into office, a black female, I think with a military background? I'll never forget, right before and after the election, she said, it's unproductive to be doing that. That was her exact words. It's not productive to foist this on children. Is that what you want? You don't want to teach people, to teach our kids, to revere the nation, to respect it? That doesn't mean you can't discuss its problems. It's another situation where nuance and discernment, something I don't think exists on the left. It's their way or the highway sort of deal. They've got to thrust down your throats. Oh, no, you've got to hate the country because it hates you. That's what they tell them. So I'm not going to apologize for the governor's desire to push patriotism. What's wrong with that? Man, I think it would make the place a lot better. And with respect to the situation with the Capitol complex, I can assure you the governor did not want to do that and wouldn't have to if Jackson would get their freaking act together. It's the capital city. It's a disaster. And it's corrupt. And so he simply saw foot to say, we got to save our capital city. This is ridiculous. Yeah, Nobody you can't wanted to cry do that. about not getting any help and then cry when you do get help. That's not how this works.
because they're in the crying grievance business. That's what it is. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. I got a rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave. And it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. Feeling pretty good, and that's the truth. It's neither drink Travis drug-induced, no, I'm just doing all right. It's so, hard to say his name with anything other than a country accent. That's true. <laughs> you could be as posh as possible, and once you get to Travis Tritt, <laughs> it just comes out. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Maybe his, his parents named him uh, anticipating he'd be a famous country star one day, huh? Let's He's had it. some hits. He has. No doubt it. Uh, so the Dow's still up, 647. The uh, prognosticators now say 65% chance of a Fed rate hike of a quarter point in this month. The Dow's on pace to close at its highest level since May the 5th, which would be some uh, welcome news. But... Something that I thought was kind of interesting is that you've got uh, a lot of retailers that are reporting sales are down. Costco, interestingly enough, has an indicator that they follow that could be a harbinger of a pending recession, and it's based on shopping habits, what folks are buying. And their executives shared this information with investors in their, in their various investor analysts' calls. And they said that customers avoid buying pricey beef, and they instead switch over to buying less expensive meat, such as pork and chicken. He said that's a behavior that's quite common in advance of economic downturns for the retailer said also that cost-efficient canned meats and fish, those are products that have longer shelf lives, lives, actually, are also increasing in popularity. And they're, they're noting this, tracking this, and they believe it indicates a pending recession. Said that customers tighten their belts by shifting over to the Costco Kirkland brand. It's typically their private label brand, cheaper than name brand competitors. They see when folks start buying more of that and less of the name brand stuff, that's an indicator. So the fundamental problem here, despite what the president likes to run around telling the country, of course he has no clue, is that wages are not keeping up with inflation. That is a problem. And in, in, so they have less buying power. Less buying power means they're going to consume less at the retailers, and the retailers are, are thus reporting concerns about that. 
Costco also said their daily transactions dipped 4.2% globally and 3.5% in the U.S. over the last quarter. And that, too, is something that they pay a lot of attention to as a, uh, uh, an indicator of future uh, business performance. So we'll see where all that goes. Somebody on the ceasefire text line said, since the 3rd of June is on Saturday, we ought to fire up the old, 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 it says old, but it's old to Billy Joe. I think we can probably accommodate that. Ask your man why he backed up on vetoing the flag vote. That's my problem with him, Greg in Newton, Mississippi. Well, like I said, Greg, you may not agree. People may not agree down the line with uh, political candidates, elected officials seeking re-election, certainly, that have a record such as that. I appreciate that. But I'm not a one-issue person. And I would encourage you to consider the entire body of work by the governor, not just that one issue. Now, I, I understand if that's or your... Or even just take a glance at the governor's statement at that time. Yeah. Where he mentioned, I said I would veto this, but they have the override, so it would be a waste of time and money. That's right. I'm he paraphrasing, did. but it's what he basically said. He did. And that's because of the, the numbers in the, the chambers that passed the uh, the measure. Which could be argued, that's a tick in the pro column for being fiscally conservative. Agree. Totally agree. So, you know, the question I would have is for, for folks that are still really focused on that past history where the state's flag has passed. Think about this over the break. We'll come back and talk about it. But if we had an opportunity to land a major economic development project, billions upon billions in, in lots of six-figure income jobs, and the condition was, okay, but you got this flag and that's a, that's a non-starter for us, and the fact that we don't have that as a, as a possible problem anymore, where would you land on that? What, what would be the the proper decision there. I, my, for me, it's just let's just eliminate it as an issue. A lot of people say it wasn't. I can tell you, working in economic development, it was. We did lose projects over it. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios after Fox News and Super Talk News. Ninety-seven point three. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back, everyone. Hour three of Middays, live from the Element Well Studios on this. Friday, y'all. Today on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear an interview with the ladies behind the 90th annual Miss Mississippi pageant in Vicksburg. That begins on June the 5th. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by visitmississippi.org. You can hear the show each Thursday and Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. on most Super Talk Mississippi stations. Also, if you own or run a small business, can customers find your business online with the power of Super Talk Mississippi Digital, STMM Digital? You can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. STMM Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. And you know, it's something that's so true, is it not, Rhino? Before the uh, ubiquity of the internet and the power that adver- the advertising industry has, uh, has enabled the tool with, it's incredible uh, just how easy it is to get the word out. You just got to get somebody to help you out a little bit if you're oh, not yeah. familiar with the tools. But good grief, the options. It's a big change from having to rename your business to however many A's the Yellow Book would allow to compete with all the other businesses named (laughs) 4A Auto and 5A Boutique, just so you show up first in the Yellow Pages. That's so true. And, And certainly not downplaying the value of other forms of advertising, but this is really a very cost effective and affordable way to get your name out and to start promoting your business. It, in fact, without it, a lot of businesses wouldn't exist. There are a lot of incomes being produced out of someone's home, out of their basement, as the, as the saying goes, literally, out of their garage. Oh, yeah. And it's because, how do you do that unless you got a way to get the word out effectively and at an affordable cost, and you can with this. So, Super Talk Mississippi Digital is a good way to do that. James in Hattiesburg says, I think the Justice Department still oversees our congressional redistricting every 10 years. I, James, I'm pretty sure they oversee everybody's. I mean, they oversee it from the perspective of if it's uh, not, if it doesn't comply with, with federal... Yeah, I think for other states, they would have to actually bring it to their attention, whereas ours, they still have the final say. Uh, okay. And so... They've got to give it the go-ahead. I think that's just the legacy of us having a target on their back, because there was a time when there was it was definitely being, being schemed a bit. Uh, there's no doubt. And maybe they believe that still happens and still goes on, and they feel like they got to be heavily involved in the process insert themselves in it. I say that's crazy, honestly, and totally unnecessary. What I don't understand on the ceasefire tax line is that segregation, we were talking about that earlier, the 32 cases, orders, legacy orders from the uh, Civil Rights Department of the U.S. Attorney General's Office, orders uh, for 32 schools districts in Mississippi, districts to segregate, 
What I don't understand is that segregation, I think it's districts, help me out on that. Maybe yeah. it is schools. I think it's districts. What I don't understand is that segregation is now the desired setup in a lot of places. I've lost count of articles I've read talking about African Americans and or people of color wanting black-only dorms, classes, schools, eating halls, etc. No whites allowed spaces. I actually agree with that. And we've seen it. We've seen so many schools announce, oh yeah, we're having we're having multiple graduations, a white only graduation, a black only graduation, no doubt. We we talked about is it uh, Michigan State, I believe, that is funding to the tune of 32 million dollars uh, a multicultural center that will will include lots of various safe spaces for uh, disadvantaged students, marginalized students, so-called, and it appears that the white person won't be, the white student won't be allowed to use the facility. I don't know that that's been specifically stated, but in, in very explicit terms, but that's the understanding, that's the impression that's being projected. I, I agree with that. It's crazy to demand all this desegregation when so many actions are made in, in not only the, the um, education world, but often in the private sector as well, that do just that, that segregate. I agree. Which just divides us even further. Makes no sense. It's time for the American people to unite together as one people under God, then our enemies will fall below our feet as they did before our forefathers. Pray for America. Pray for revival, says Jerry in Waynesboro. Maybe signing the Confederate Heritage Month declaration was an unforced error that besmirched our reputation, says Jeff in Forest County. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. It's a little, I think that's a little bit different than something that is more, more permanent and more pervasive, such as a flag with a Confederate battle emblem embedded in it. So, I mean, that's just something that is there, that is legacy. I haven't really heard any, any concerns about that, any pushback on that. Mike from Madison says, with respect to the governor signing the change of flag measure, you talked about the governor's statement. He said, well, I could veto it, but they have the numbers. It's veto-proof. He said that excuse would be believable, except he didn't have to sign it. He could have just let the time expire without a signature. And what benefit would come from that, Mike? I mean, what, what's, what's the positive outcome of that? I personally think we got to move forward. That's what I think. I think that we need to be concerned about uh, economic opportunities in our state, about lifting our state our, off the bottom of the heap. And the governor did point out yesterday that since he's been in office, our, our per capita income has risen a fair amount. But he also acknowledges we got a long way to go. I mean, so he... But if the flag is your single issue that you are basing your vote for governor on, you really got two choices, Governor Tate Reeves or Brandon Presley. Right. What are you going to do? Right. 
You're just not going to vote? You're going to vote for Brandon Presley? What do you think his thoughts on the flag are? I, I think, uh, exactly, I think this, this purity test that people apply in casting their vote, I think it's short-sighted, honestly. I, I, I don't know how you ever find a candidate with whom you agree 100% down the line on every single issue. I understand some are more important to individuals than others. And so maybe there are some folks, such as Greg and Newton, that holds the flag issue up as his top priority. For me, it's not even close. I'm, but again, I say, if it's your top priority, yeah, who else do you vote your, for? That's right. So with Brandon Presley, you get somebody who certainly doesn't support the old flag, but on top of that, supports all sorts of other policy that I think would be bad for the state. And his supporters love to try to distance him from the National Democrat Party. And again, I say, if he didn't want to run as a Democrat... He could have run as an independent. That's true. If he didn't agree with the Democrat platform, he could have run as independent. But he wanted the Democrat money, so now he's got to toe the Democrat line. Now, maybe it's fair to say, I mean, there, there are different degrees of being left and right, being liberal and conservative. And maybe it's fair to say he's not far to the left, like way extreme to the left. But I think it's fair to say he's left. And he does. So for me, fundamentally, and this is the contrast between him and Governor Reeves. He thinks government should be more inserted in your life. He thinks that, that government should be in your household, your classroom, and in your business. He sees government as a much more vital and important component of the economy. That's where I, that's where I differ with him, big time. Governor Reeves doesn't. That's why I support him. Just simple as that. It's about that. And I guess maybe it's it's the business person coming out in me. I can't help that. It's what I am. But I want to see more economic opportunity. I want to see us keep these fantastic graduates in this state. We ain't going to do that unless we grow the economy. And that means more economic expansion of existing businesses and new economic development projects, we got to clear the boards of all the obstacles of that. We need them, frankly, guys, more than they need us. we got to be realistic about that. B.B. King, another great Mississippian, bumping us out here. Stay with us. Interrupt this program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. It was a third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay And at dinner time we stopped and walked back to the house to eat And mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet And then she said I got 
I think my favorite lyric in the song, pass the biscuits, please, that's my favorite. That would be the great Bobby Gentry, Ode to Billy Joe. Another fine Mississippi musician. Are we just flush with great musical talent from this state or what? We could do a whole show bumping in and out with just tunes produced by Mississippians. And I know Jerry Lee Lewis, born in Louisiana, spent most of his life, his later life, in Nesbitt, Mississippi. He has a home there that you can tour. I believe that's where he passed away, if I'm not mistaken. So, golly, Elvis, Bobby Gentry, B.B. King, the list is long. It's incredible. We're so blessed. And no the list doubt. is varied. I mean, you go all the way from the king of rock and roll to the blues to... I want to say there's a guy from Tupelo named Diplo who's like a DJ artist, like club DJ. Huge. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Paul Thorne with Americana. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I've said it before, but Tommy Aldridge, Black Oak, Arkansas... To my knowledge, the first guy ever to play the double bass in a rock and roll band from Pearl, Mississippi. So, on the ceasefire text line, Robert and Brandon says the folks who were still the folks, pardon me, who were still mad about the flag are the prime example of how Mississippians were described to me when I moved here 35 years ago. We're all for quote, we're all for progress, but we don't want to change anything. <laughs> Uh, appreciate the text there, Robert. I know a guy at my work says he's not voting for Tate just because of the flag issue. I, I think there are some folks out there that uh, will certainly hold that against the governor. I would encourage them to think again holistically about candidates. Find one that lines with uh, up with you on every single issue. Let me know when you do. And as Rhino so accurately points out, well, then who are you going to vote for? Now, I know that Larry and Ma says he's going to support uh, Mr. Witcher, who is also a candidate. We should be fair in mentioning that. He is also a candidate, John Witcher, the doctor, on the Republican side for governor. He says he's going to support him. He, and so I asked him, what, what is his economic plan for Mississippi? And yes, I do believe that stands out to me as the top issue. Now, let's also consider that you can't have economic prosperity, you can't create opportunity without freedom. And so they go hand in hand. So bills, legislation, laws in the state that affect your freedoms, they also affect economic opportunity and prosperity. But if the goal, which I believe it should be, is to continue to lift up incomes in the state of Mississippi, expand existing businesses to the extent they want to, and make sure that all the elements are in place from a government perspective to do that, and uh, of course, more importantly, to attract new Mississippi investment. New economic projects, that's key. And we're seeing some of these deep blue states, they're running off 
a lot of these great companies. Overtaxed, overregulate, crime. They're leaving. I say, come on down. We need that. We need new businesses. We need expansion. We need work opportunities for our people. High-paying work opportunities. The government don't create those. The private sector does. Like the governor says, the government's job is to create the environment that allows them to invest, encourages them to invest, to hire, to expand. Totally agree. I, for one, am sick of partially funding education at our fantastic colleges and universities only to see them leave the state upon graduation. We need them here. We're subsidizing the other states with talent. That's where our focus ought to be. Not the flag. Let's be honest. I understand, so I asked Larry, what is Dr. Witcher's economic plan for Mississippi? Same as all other Republicans, but he didn't lie to me about the flag. Well, that, what is all other Republicans' economic plan? I, I've seen Dr. Witcher speak before. I haven't seen him say much about that. He doesn't focus much. You're shaking your head, Rhino. You've got some exposure to that as well. Say anything about economics? I've said yesterday. He's talked a lot about vaccines. I've heard that too. And yesterday, I I pointed out, or, or this week, that we're not seeing that message coming from Republicans running for office at the federal level, uh, for for uh, president in particular. Governor DeSantis, I think he's a good guy. I think he'd make a decent president, but I've heard about all I want to hear about him attacking Disney and the woke left and all that kind of stuff. I just, okay, I get it. I couldn't help but laugh earlier in the day when I was scrolling through Instagram and Donald Trump put out a picture of Ron DeSantis riding a rhinoceros, a rhino. (laughs) The first thing I thought of was, why is President Trump trying to get me on DeSantis' set? (laughs) So you got Trump that's blasting DeSantis, I mean, like 24 hours a day. He's more focused on that. I I get it. It's a primary. Then he is the state of the nation under Biden and the Democrats. And you got Ron DeSantis, who's just in a culture war permanently, it seems like. And while I certainly understand that We've got to reverse those trends in the country. I'm not sure how much the government, the federal government, should play a role in that other than... It seems like society's already pushing back on a lot of this nonsense. I've seen a lot of reports on social media where yesterday, the first day of Pride Month, a lot of companies came out with their typical rainbow logo to to show off on their social media pages, and then over the last 24 hours... There's a big chunk of them that have slowly, quietly walked that back and changed it back to their normal logo. Yeah. Big example is Major League Baseball. Yes. Yesterday, the logo is rainbow. Today, it's not rainbow. Yes. Maybe they're starting to get a hint. Just play baseball. That's all we want you to do. And don't you think that's what most people want? They just want to go to the ballpark and watch a baseball game. They don't want all this social justice crap crammed down their throat. I'm sick of it. 
Why, why do we spend a whole month pandering to one group like that? A whole month. And, it, and is there truly a problem? And what I mean by that is, are you aware of any companies that just blatantly discriminate against the gay community because they're gay? Are you aware? Have you heard of any incidents? Did they ever speak up and say, I didn't get hired, I didn't get promoted, I didn't get compensated appropriately because I'm gay? If that's happening, that's wrong. That's bad. That's discrimination. It shouldn't. But I just don't hear the incidents of that. I don't hear it about race. I don't hear it about women. I'm still looking for somebody to come forward. Tell me where the problem is. Rather than just jumping to some conclusions and then obsessing with it. Usually all based on incomplete or completely biased data. Of course. I can tell you that as an employer, you live in fear when you're hiring, when you're compensating, when you're promoting, when you're terminating. Oh my gosh, i got to terminate this person for poor performance, but they're fit into one of these marginalized communities, and I could receive... All kinds of backlash and retribution, lawsuits and the like. Racial discrimination. No, they sucked at their job. By the way, if a white person, if a non-marginalized person sucks at their job, I'm getting rid of their butt too. I don't care. And you know what's what's always sort of refutes all that is, well, it's not like those companies don't have lots of those people working for them, succeeding, producing, benefiting, but yet they pick out the one case. Like, it's the same thing in law enforcement. They pick out the one maggot, bad cop, and that represents the gazillions of them. Or an incident. Unbelievable. Coming right back. Half an hour left on Middays in the Element Well Studios. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. So we've been talking about the many fabulous musical artists from the great state of Mississippi. I didn't know this one, Rhino. Somebody on the ceasefire text line said that Jimmy Jameson, a lead singer for the band Survivor, born in Durant. I looked it up. He was. I had no idea. Durant, Mississippi. Holmes County, right? Oh, yeah. Three of the five members of Blind Melon were from Mississippi. It's incredible. The band is credited as originating in L.A. because the Mississippians had to move to L.A. to, to really get it off the ground. But, yeah, they met. Wow. Connected. Majority Mississippians in the band. Man, that's incredible. Randy Hauser. Yeah. Uh, Bo Diddley. Right? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Totally Unbelievable. 
A GOP national primary debate would be fireworks, says Jeff in Forest County. Well, you remember the the uh, 16th cycle. What well, The first one had 17 on the stage, and a couple of them actually said, hey, I'm not getting enough time here. How the heck do you allocate time across 17? And, I still say my favorite memory from any of those debates was when they they got Ben Carson confused, so he kind of stayed back. And then they, I think it was Ted Cruz they called next, and he walked out, and, and then Trump was coming up, and he saw Carson. He's like, wait, something's off here. I'm going to hang back with him. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Threw everything off. It was hilarious. <laughs> it did. Lion Ted, as he called him. <laughs> uh, what do you call jab? Low energy jab or something? Please like. clap. <laughs> Please clap. That's right. Oh, man. And then Rick Perry. I'm going to eliminate that uh, Department of Education, three departments, the uh, EPA, and oh, shoot, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. On the C Spire text line, uh, do people really think that Brandon Presley supported the old flag? Of course he didn't. So voting for him for the flag issue is just plain stupid. Michael and Laurel, to all of those who are not voting for Tate Reeves, because of the flag issue, congratulations on voting a Democrat into office like we need another Democrat messing up the works. Of course, Larry and Ma says he's going to vote for John Witcher. So there is an alternative, to be fair and honest. There's an alternative on the in the Republican primary. We did uh, do a little research on the financial condition of the campaigns. What did you say? Uh, Dr. Witcher has at this point? Yeah, he's been able to raise $21,326. He spent $8,724, so his cash on hand is $12,601.83. What's the governor have? About eight, nine million, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. Well, it's definitely an uphill battle for Dr. Mitchell. Uh, Witcher. Witcher, excuse me. Yeah, so uh, look, you got to be realistic. You got to have money to run a campaign. You just do. Yeah, and for nothing else than road signs or ads. Well, especially if you're and to pay your campaign. If you're a candidate who's never run for office, you got to get some name recognition somehow. Because a lot of people won't even think about it and aren't even paying attention to it until they go to the polls and they see the names. Oh, I recognize that one. Yeah, that's the big X factor in elections that is really hard to quantify is the percentage of the voting population in on any given in any in, in any given year that is pretty much tuned out to politics until the run up to the election. Yeah. And once they hear one or two things that work with them in that 2 to 3 week window before election day, then that's how they make their decision. So all this this run up is lost on a sizable chunk of the voting population. Totally true. Totally true. Wow, Gerard, Black Oak, Arkansas. I saw them back in the middle 70s when they were touring Army bases. Thanks, Sam and Mount Hermon. Yeah, so uh, he's listed as being born in Jackson, but, um, of course, I followed him. I remember him playing locally, Rhino, when I was in my teens. remember him playing locally before he became the famous drummer of uh, Black Oak, Arkansas. He also performed with Whitesnake. I always thought he was from Pearl for some reason. They say Jackson, but close enough. Yeah. If Elvis was the king, then Bo Diddley was the Pope. 
Born in Macomb, says David from Columbus. Oh, yeah, you've got the potentate of the blues, the, the, the supreme king of the blues, B.B. King. You have all the other amazing blues artists from the Mississippi Delta. You have the amazing genesis of jazz that is often attributed to New Orleans, but it has a lot of roots in the Delta. And that's just one facet of it. Then you jump over to, to Elvis, the king of rock and roll, and his influence on rock and roll and pop and gospel. Incredible. And you can't forget Jimmy Rogers, the father of country that's, music. That's true. Uh, you cover course, all the bases right here in the Magnolia State. Our friend Marty Stewart putting that museum together. It's got all kind of Jimmy Rogers stuff in it. Unbelievable job he's done in his team collecting the memorabilia and artifacts. Witcher's COVID stuff drives me crazy, says Jason in Flagstaff. I don't like Tate Reeves, but I think he handled COVID about as perfectly as it could be for what little was known at the time. And again, I know the governor well enough to know he didn't like doing all that stuff either. It's just not really consistent with his approach to governing. But he, of course, being advised by lots of people, and, and I can assure you, consuming all the information and data he could, and speaking to other conservative governors, guiding his policies, but, but I tend to agree. I think knowing what we all know now, in retrospect, his approach, I think in a lot of others, would have been different as well. We're, we're learning a lot of stuff that was unnecessary, over the top, but it was the fear of the unknown, and nobody wants to look back and say, gosh, I wish we would have done this, that, and the other. Maybe we could have saved suffering and, and even lives. Ben from Madison says, I'd like to hear more from lieutenant governor candidates with respect to economic policy, since they likely won't be debating. I believe voters deserve to know exactly where each candidate stands policy-wise for the next four years. I totally agree with you, Ben, and I can assure you that when we have the opportunity to interview them, uh, which I feel like will happen, as it typically does in advance of the primary, we'll, we'll quiz them on that. And then, of course, we're going to be at the Neshoba County Fair prior to the primary in late July which is uh, the primaries in August, and uh, we'll ask him about that then. So my advice to the candidates, and look, I'm just a radio talk show host here, right? My advice to the, both of those candidates, to Lieutenant Governor Hoseman, it would be maybe less focus on the past. I get when you're incumbent, that's your resume. You've got to talk about that. You've got to promote it. And maybe more information about plan for the future. Uh, with respect to Senator Chris McDaniel, I'd, I'd like to see him focus more on policy plans and how he's going to make the state better and its citizens' lives improved, and maybe less focus on Delbert's bad, you got to vote for me. And honestly, you could apply that same situation as we have a little bit today to the top Republican presidential candidates. Donald Trump pretty much focuses on Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis is focused on cultural wars, and the Biden administration, Biden, is running around bragging about the economy. At least he's, even though he don't got nothing to brag about, 
at least he is talking about what polls show Americans care about the most. Now, with respect to the culture wars, I'm okay if the president says, or a candidate says, hey, if I'm president, we're going to repeal all of this focus on climate change and equity throughout the federal complex. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's about all you got to say. But I don't want this president saying, I'm going to attack every corporation that's implementing these policies. The market will take its toll on them. It already has. Look at Bud Light. Look at Target. Look at Chick-fil-A. And there are others. The market speaks. You pointed that out a minute ago, Rhino. The market speaks. And you're starting to see more and more pull back. We talked about North Carolina Medical School yesterday disbanding their DEI unit. Like, what the heck is this thing for? I agree. Something I did catch that is rather disturbing, Cal State Long Beach ditched the national anthem at grad ceremonies. So to the person earlier that texted us about the governor's desire to introduce some degree of patriotism in the curriculum in the public schools, what about this? This is where we're essentially denouncing patriotism. We got a major university with like 30,000 students that says, no, we don't recognize the country that we're in and its national anthem and the fact that people gave their lives so you could ditch the national anthem. That's the irony of the whole dang thing. By the way, they have a non-binary shark who uses plural pronouns as their mascot. I kid you not was on hand waving to the crowd. <laughs> Plural pronouns. We're coming right back. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert. Super Talk Mississippi. Burgers and I see what you did there. Another great Mississippi artist, Charlie Pride. I, I told you my story about running into him on the driving range at the golf course in Dallas. Los Colinas Resort. Was there for a business event. Was out to play golf with my buddies from Oklahoma that were in the same business. And on the driving range there... <laughs> Um, my buddy, my two buddies from Oklahoma and me, we were hitting balls there, practicing. And uh, my buddy hits a good good shot there on the range. He said, oh, Gerard, I'm taking you down today. And an individual on the other side of him, I was to his back, and this individual was, was in front of him, lined up on the range there. He, uh, he breaks into song, starts singing, take me down. I said, dang, that sounded good, you know. You don't expect that from just an amateur golfer. It was Charlie Pride. No wonder it sounded so good. It was awesome. And he introduced himself. I told him I was from Mississippi. Fantastic. Oh, what I have, what a uh, give to have cell phones back then to take a photo. Didn't have those back then. It was back in the early 90s. But, yeah, that's kind of my claim to fame, brush with fame, with uh, Charlie Pride there, did a little singing for us, and he could do it. 
Um, yeah, Ben, talking about the gubernator, lieutenant governor candidates, I should say, not the gubernatorial. I agree with you. I'd love to see him debate. I don't think we're going to see that. I really don't. And, and, and let's be honest, incumbents typically don't, unless they absolutely feel like it's the last-ditch resort that they believe, their campaign advisors believe, would get them over the top there. I, but I, I, at this point, I don't think we're going to see it. Um, yeah, Zach in Oxford says, don't forget about Charlie Bride. Oh, that's right, the great Paul Davis from Meridian. Absolutely. From the... Um, 80s, I think, most of his music, late 70s, 80s. A few great big hits that uh, Paul made. I may have missed it. Oh, yeah, but don't forget about Charlie Bride. That's right, North Mississippi FedEx guy sends that in. One of the widespread panic guys is married to a lady from Carrollton. Interesting. And Tammy Wynette was born in Itawamba. Yeah. Man, we're just unbelievable flush with them, telling you. Great, great musical talent out of the state. Authors, of course. Lots of fantastic artists across the spectrum of art. There will not be a Republican alternative in the general election, says Mose. Interesting. Could be. We shall see. A lot of stuff. What does Gerard think about Slash? I'm honestly not very familiar with him. <laughs> not the Guns N' Roses guitarist. Oh, that. Oh, of course. What about? Oh, he's talented. Yeah. I don't think he has a connection to the Magnolia State, does no, he? No, I don't. I don't either. I thought he was from England. I agree. Don't take federal funding if you don't like the USA, and don't play national anthem grads. Don't take student loan forgiveness. Yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous. We're talking about Long Beach State University. Cal State Long Beach, ditching the national anthem. wonder if this starts to catch on as a trend that other schools don't play the national anthem. But they got their non-binary shark mascot. You should know that they ditched their old mascot. That was Prospector Pete. Was ditched by the university two years ago due to negative connotations surrounding the 1849 California gold rush. Students voted last year for a shark replacement. <laughs> the negative connotations of the gold rush. <laughs> negative. There is no California without the gold rush. Joe in Oxford reminds of, of course, our good friend Steve Azar. Absolutely. Wonder if Delbert will bring up McDaniel's vote for the pay raise. I don't know. Could be. Look at Chick-fil-A. I'm in line now, and the line wraps around the building twice. I guess folks aren't that concerned about their big DEI hire earlier in the week. There are some concerns about the Clark County, Nevada school district's equity grading system they implemented, the fifth largest district in the in the state. Even, even the, the Las Vegas Review Journal, big paper there, there was an editorial written by the staff. Too dumb to fail grading policies aren't working. Duh. That's based on what they implemented two years ago. 
Now they've said, hold my beer. Basically, you can't fail, and 50 and above now is a passing grade. You get half of it right, you pass. That don't work in real life. Incredible. Chris from Oxford says, Trump has to attack DeSantis. He's in second place. Trump said himself it would be dumb for him to go after the guy that's in eighth place. He also said he could fix the country in six months. Said he could end the war in 24 hours. We're out of here today. Thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend, everyone. Back Monday. Until then, stay safe and God bless. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.